0: In Ephesians chapter 4, it's a fairly uh, familiar passage for us. Um, When I was uh, candidating here, I preached uh, a version of this message. Um, So we're going to, uh, after it's been reworked a little bit here, we're going to take another look at it. Uh, God's plan for you in relation to your church, or God's plan for you and your pastor in your church. It's uh, kind of the way God wants things to work in church Ephesians chapter 4 look at verse 11 we'll read 11 down to verse 16 it says and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the son of God unto a perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and the cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things which is the head even Christ for whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working uh, in the measure of every part Uh, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love and a church does what uh, what nothing else can do even even healing is to be done in the context of or or in connection to your church there's no biblical healing ministries outside of the church if you want to be healed, James 5.14 says you come to the elders of the church and have them pray for you. There just isn't any setup like, like this. Church does what nothing else can. Church does what nothing else will. In verse 11, it says that pastors are given to churches. Uh, that's an intensive pronoun in the Greek. It means that he himself, Christ himself gave. That means that the, the pastors for churches, they, they come from no other place. Pastors come from one source, Jesus Himself. And the word pastor and teacher is in a, a, a weird Greek construction there. It's called the Granville Sharp's rule. Not that you need to know that, but if you ever you know, have some trivia ask you about the Bible, you'll know Granville Sharp rule there. It indicates that the pastor-teacher is one individual, that the one who shepherds God's flock is the one who proclaims God's word. That is God's plan. Now, what is God's plan for you and your church? Well, what's supposed to happen? What's supposed to happen in church? Well, the pastor is to use the word of God to equip you to do the work of the ministry. Look at what it says in verse 12 again. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ uh what we see here in verse 12 is that it's is a pastor's responsibility uh in god's plan here uh, the pastors again are found in churches the first thing we need to see is that pastors are found in churches uh pastors pastor people that meet together with him and with one another and if it can't or doesn't take place then he can't be called your pastor Now, why is this? It's because pastors are given to equip church people, and if church people aren't under the pastor, connected to a local church, then that equipping isn't going to take place. You have to submit to the authority structure that God has in place and work within that structure in order for God to accomplish in you his design purpose of you being equipped to do what he wants you to do. You know, as, as, as Baptists, one of our most precious Baptist doctrines is priesthood of the believer. Uh, now, that does not mean you get to chip, skip church. Now, what priesthood of the believer means is that is that nobody can stand between you and the Lord, that that, that you can interpret the word of God for yourself. That there is not a mediator between you and your mediator who is Christ Jesus. But it does not mean you can avoid church and expect to be used by God. Or that you can skip church and expect to be equipped for any service any other way than what God has already set up. Now There are a lot of church hurt people uh, not just here, we've seen them everywhere we've gone, that either from their own fault or the church's fault, they've been wounded by something that happened in the church. Some of them were wounded brutally, but but even they don't have the scriptural option just to stop the whole church thing. See, church hurt people uh, those that we would think would have the most reasonable excuse for not coming to church they have biblical ways and options to deal with it but staying at home and staying away is not the way God says to do this you cannot mature you cannot grow you cannot be equipped by listening to radio preachers or watching them on TV exclusively. Now, there's nothing wrong with the radio or TV you know, preachers as long as they're squared away, as long as they're doctrinally solid. My favorites are Dr. David Jeremiah and Alistair Begg. They're, they just happen to be the two that I like the most. But, but they don't and they can't pastor you because they're, they're not your pastor. You don't go to their church. You're not accountable to them. and They're not accountable to you. They can't equip you to serve or work in your church because they're not your pastor. They don't meet with you. See, pastors equip you in and through your church, nowhere else. Again, there's no other system. There's no other organism. There's no other way for you to be matured or equipped than to come to church and to get involved with church. This is God's God's plan, okay? Uh, man didn't come up with this. God did. And you must do it his way if you're going to get his results. Of course, you have to of course listen to what is said and then go and you know, do what is said or be what is, is, is said. And Of course, you might think, well, I can do that myself. Well, well no. No, you can't. Otherwise, there'd be no need for the church. There wouldn't be the commands to come to church. You can't do it yourself. God has set it up that it's to be done this way, and, and you have to attend church with a pastor. Why? Because God said so. <laughs> and often that has to be all the reason we need. Now, there are other reasons. You know, when, when, when your children were young, you say, I don't want to clean my room. Why do I have to clean my room? Because I said so. That was all the reason they needed, right? When they get older, you might have to explain things a little bit but 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 no just god god said so this is the way god wants it done pastors are supposed to equip the saints unto the work of the ministry the building up of the body of christ and the only way that you can be equipped is 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 for god to use your pastor and church together to do so you know, his his job is not to do your job. His job is to train up workers to work alongside him as he does his job. That way, his ministry will be more effective. You see, pastors they're they're not hired hands. They're they're trainers, equippers, so that you can do the work alongside of him. You need a pastor to be equipped. You need uh, your church. To be equipped, to be trained you, We need to gather together. We need to fellowship around the Word of God. You need to submit to the leadership that God has ordained, as long as, as, as that submission doesn't lead you into something unbiblical, you know, and that's the way God says, do things. But then once you are equipped, you are to work. Each believer here is to function in this particular body of Christ. When each believer accomplishes that, then then the church grows properly. See, we, we we don't grow just for the sake of growth. Okay? We don't grow just to grow. That's the philosophy of a cancer cell. Grow just to grow. No, we don't we don't do that. We there's there's a goal for our growth, there's a there's a means for our our growth we are to to ultimately come to the measure of christ's likeness so you have a a a specific and measurable ministry that you are to carry out in this church you have a job a mission uh, there is something that only you can do and it needs to be done there are on, there, there are people that only you can reach for Christ none of us have the influence in those people's lives that you do that means they are your responsibility to reach with the gospel of Jesus Christ there are life circumstances in which only you can shine as the light of Christ and as a converted member of this church, you must find your ministry and you must do your ministry. That is why you're here. See, the pastor teachers are given by God to their churches for the perfecting of the saints unto the work of the ministry. That is, it, it's, it's, it's the business of everyone to carry out the work of the ministry. The pastor is for the purpose of perfecting or equipping or growing, and then it's you that does the work. The pastor is given to church for the perfecting of the saints, which means that, the, that your pastors is specialized in equipping the saints for the work of the ministry, the ministering work, the sharing of the gospel, the, the, the bearing of fruit, the, the becoming like Christ, the, the being salt and light in the world. This is in order that the body of Christ, that you can be built up by additions, okay, lost souls being saved, and by the saved people here maturing in Christ. Okay, that's the way churches are supposed to grow. The work that we're to do is, it is ministry. All too often, pastors are hired by congregations to do this work of the ministry and the pastor is expected to teach to evangelize the council visit the sick pray for the discouraged and they should do that but if the church grows in size with that kind of idea that the pastor is just hired then you know new members are added it, it the congregation think, thinks that 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 they're healthy when they may not be that the pastor is doing his job The church fails to grow. The budget's not met. Then, of course, the first one to blame is the pastor. I mean, he was hired to do this, right? So if it's not happening, he must not be doing his job. But this is unbiblical thinking. So you need to own this church. This is your church. You need to to possess this. You need to do the work needed for the ministry to grow under the preaching and teaching of the pastor. Now, while I'm on the the subject... um, I need I I need to get I need to get kind of personal, okay? Uh, there there isn't an associate pastor. There isn't an assistant pastor. There isn't a a a co-pastor. And what that means is this: that the pastor's wife isn't and shouldn't be looked at as the co-pastor associate pastor assistant pastor i mean she shouldn't be the one in full-time nursery worker Uh, matters of church business should not be run through her questions about what should be done and how it should be done should not be run through her Things should not be told her, and it be assumed that she will tell the pastor for you. She's not the go-between between between you and your pastor. In actuality, this, this tends to happen in churches because it's the women who are more spiritually mature, more spiritually sensitive, more spiritually involved than most of the men. Church is seen as a woman's thing, and spirituality is seen as women's work. And we'll be spending a little more time on that next week for Father's Day. I know that that we have used a protocol where I don't talk or meet with women on my own. That that that's not going to change necessarily. But that may have contributed to you know y'all going to Becky instead of coming to me. But you know, she has all my passwords. She'd look at my phone any time uh, without any warning uh, i tell her every time i talk to another woman so unless it is it, it is woman to woman counseling please bring the church business to me no matter what it is otherwise i right i'm i'm your pastor okay um, and the pastor's wife is too kind and she loves y'all too much to say anything She would be embarrassed if she knew I was saying this, but it's a boundary that needs to be respected. And while I'm making this horribly uncomfortable already, let me add something else. I do love our Sunday lunches. Um, They do in many respects serve as an entirely different church service for us. But should only three of our church ladies carry most of both the financial and work burdens in making that lunch possible? I mean, aren't there enough other families that could help carry that load? I I don't have a lot of interest in continuing our lunches now that it rests on only two of our ladies. I'm otherwise inclined to discontinue it for the summer to reevaluate it in the fall to see if we can get some more participation. I mean, look, we 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 don't expect one foot to do all the walking, right? We don't expect one eye to do all the seeing. Uh, Ministry was never meant to be centralized; it was meant to be spread around a bit. can you look and see if God might have you be a part of that service? Can you consider participating in that service or, or another ministry? And then there's a matter of junior church. You know, now we only have two, two ladies that can rotate through the, the, the junior church age kids and when school starts back up we might have a third we don't we don't know but but i mean can can we continue to put that much load on so few people that's not the way god intends churches to operate might a couple of you commit to serving the lord by teaching these young ones about the lord or do we need to reevaluate that ministry also because we can't continue to pile on that much responsibility to so few people See, pastors exist to prepare God's people for the work of the ministry, for the the service like this. Perfecting or equipping is is preparing uh, for proper use. The, the, The work you do is the ministry. The involvement that you have is the ministry. And the things that will grow and mature this church is your involvement in those things. If what you're doing is not growing and maturing this church, then you're, you're either doing the wrong thing or you're not doing the right thing because God has designed that the work you do, uh, he's, he's designed that to build this church. The church can't fulfill its mission without your involvement. The role of leaders within the church has always been to help the members of the body grow in their capacity to minister, to help each individual find and use their spiritual gifts, that little niche where God wants them to flourish and grow, that little crack in the cement where you can come and, 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 and continue to split apart the hard ground and have life where there wasn't life. See, saints aren't to call a pastor and pay him to do the work. They call him follow his leadership as he, through the word of God, equips them to do the job. He's equipped by the word, and he uses the word to equip you. You do the work of the ministry, and the church grows. Healthy sheep, mature, healthy sheep naturally reproduce. That's, That's the way we see it work. And when you all were looking for a pastor, you said that you were looking for a servant leader, someone who would serve you and kind of lead by example. But, you know, built into that is the presupposition that you would follow his example and begin serving Christ by serving one another and serving the church as a whole. The pastor can do it all. Okay? The church is not so big that that, that that your pastor can't do everything, but he shouldn't do everything. The church needs you, your involvement. Work must be done or the church just won't grow. Maturing within this body, growing more and more like Jesus, that is your first calling. To equip the church for service, you have to minister to one another. You have to love one another, serve one another. Then you also serve the world. Now the design for your work is is threefold. It's found in verses 14, 15, and 16. Um, Paul expressed the the ultimate purpose, or perhaps better, the ultimate result of the pastors equipping the saints uh, to serve the Lord and others. Now negatively, believers should not be like infants who are easily swayed, easily confused, like waves being tossed back and forth. We live by the sea. We know what that's like. We know how waves are tossed. Uh, You should not be waves. You should not uh, be so immature that every time you hear something that sounds spiritually new you go running after that and then you hear something else spiritually new you go running after that we should be settled on our rock who is christ so verse 14 tells us that there ought to be a discerning maturity verse 14 says that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine by the slide of men by the cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. That means we're not to be babies. We're not to be easily swayed. We're not to be driven by the wind. Uh, here it's used figuratively, the wind of, of, of teaching by the slight of men. That word translated slight originally meant dice playing, and it grew to mean the deceptive cheating of, 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 of crooked gamblers, right? which, are, which are what false teachers are. They they connive and they swindle and, and they deceive you. The only way to be able to detect error is to know the truth. So we must come to the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity. Knowledge and maturity here, they walk hand in hand. The conjunction and makes them equal partners. Knowledge and maturity give you the skill to know and see truth and to know and see error. Your work of the ministry matures the church so you will not be victims of false teaching. But you've got to work together. So we have discerning maturity in verse 14. Then we have doing truth. Paul stated positively that by speaking the truth in love or or truthing in love, which has the idea of, of, of maintaining truth in love Uh, both in speech and in the way you live Uh, believers are to grow in him with with you know in reference to everything christ is the source of your growth he is the aim of your growth he is the goal of your growth it's jesus or nothing he is to be everything to us your work of the ministry will result in us living and doing the truth of god's word jesus is the truth we will do we will live jesus when we are doing our work for him so there's discerning maturity there's doing truth and then there's just plain old discipling in the building up we have a factor of growth the the converted the saved people they they grow they they mature but we also have a factor of evangelism and increasing our numbers by conversion Both of these processes are encapsulated in that phrase, edifying the body, building up the body. And we see it again in the Great Commission. I want you to look there. I want you to look in Matthew chapter 28. Matthew 28 is called the Great Commission. Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. Matthew 28, verses 18, 19, and 20. It's right at the end of chapter 28. Matthew 28, verse 18, and Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. Amen. Now you'll see that I overused my thesaurus just a little bit on these next points, but I think they'll help. I think it will help stick in your head. First, what we see here is witnessing. Okay, that's teaching all nations. That's, that's preaching the gospel to the lost. Then we see winning. Because only converted people, only saved people are to be baptized. So, so we know that conversion is the next step. Them trusting Christ as Savior. So it's witnessing, winning, and then wedding. Okay, after conversion, they're baptized. Not until... Okay, this is the first step of their obedience to Christ. They trust Christ, then they're baptized. Witnessing, winning, wedding, and here's the stretch, whelping, all right? teaching them, maturing them, equipping them to do what Christ has commanded them to do. Teaching them, verse 20 says, to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. See, that's, that's, that's teaching them to carry the torch on to the next generation, and then there's wisdom. They will follow the commands of Christ when they are matured and equipped to do so. They will then begin teaching others. And those will grow and mature and they will begin teaching others and they will grow and mature and begin teaching others. This is one of the reasons the church exists as a called out community, as a gathering community. It's clear-cut in the New Testament. The, the church is to become a mature organism through the process of edification, and the reason that that edification, that growing, takes place is to honor and glorify God. That is our goal. That is the end-all and be-all of what we are to do. And in the process of becoming this dynamic witness in the world, maturity in this body of Christ can be identified, first of all, by three things enduring virtues it's faith hope and love when we understand faith and we understand love we understand hope we'll we'll have an idea of, of of just how far we've come the the degree of completeness and maturity and equipping can be measured by the degree to which this church we us manifest our faith and our hope and our love see faith is our source of strength jesus is the object of our faith we don't have faith in faith. We have faith in Christ. Okay? He's the object of our faith. We trust him for salvation. We trust him for sanctification. We trust him to empower us to live in the truth that he is. Okay? He is our source of faith. Well, our hope is, is our manner of living. It's the way that we live. This hope is our earnest expectation of a sure thing. Our hope is and is in Christ. So we earnestly expect, we know that Christ will come back for us. We know it will happen, and we live two ways. First of all, as if it could happen at any moment. We live as if Christ could come back at any moment. And secondly, we live as if we want it to happen right now. Okay? Christ can come back at any time, and we want it now, right? That's the way we live in hope. We live understanding that this life is temporary and fleeting, and it is not where we will spend eternity. We live in the sure thing that we will be in heaven forever, and the the sooner we get there, the better, right? That's our manner of living. So faith is our source of strength. Hope is our manner of living. Love is demonstrating our strength through our manner. Love is demonstrating our faith through our hope. Faith gives us the strength to live in the hope of heaven to come. The way we live, our our manner of living will be different because of our hope. Love is the way we demonstrate our strength through our manner. Love is what we do, right? Love is what we do because our priority is heaven and Christ. Love is what we do because we are empowered by Christ to do so. See, church is where you are equipped to live such a life. Churches where you spiritually grow. Churches where you learn what your ministry is and then how to do that ministry. Churches where you're held accountable. Churches where you are loved enough to be challenged to repent of your sin. Pardon the expression, but ain't no radio preacher gonna do that. We are accountable to one another in a fashion that can only exist that can only be worked out that can only happen properly in this setting church is where and from where you do your work of the ministry church is where you find the fullness of the knowledge of christ church is where it all happens see nowhere else is given that that something like this can take place. This is God's plan for you in your church, for you to grow and to be involved and to be doing things for Christ because you love him and you want to show that you love him by obedience to his word. It's for you to be in and involved and equipped and serve and work in your church for the glory of God. Not for me, not for you, not for somebody else. But we work and we serve and we grow and we witness and we obey and we do the work of the ministry so that God is glorified. So Christ is lifted up. And he said that if if we would lift him up, he would draw people to himself, right? That's, That's our responsibility. We lift up Christ by our obedience and he draws people to himself. So let me ask you just just a little simple question. Are you as involved in your church as God says you should be? If the answer to that question is no, then I want to encourage you to examine uh, why and then how that can change. Because it needs to change. The word of God says it needs to change. Let's stand with their heads bowed and eyes closed. father once again as we do every sunday we thank you for your word um, as we was mentioned in sunday school this morning not every christian in the world around the world has your word and they they long to look into your word as freely and openly as we do and we do not want to take that for granted we thank you for your word we thank you for its authority we thank you, Father, in your wiz- for, for your wisdom that in your wisdom you have given it to us as a guide, as a law, as precept and principle. So, Father, I pray that your spirit would examine each of our hearts. And I pray, Lord, that you would lay bare to us any sin that we need to confess and repent of, that we need to forsake. And I pray, Lord, that you would uh, work in us to grow us, show us our ministries, give us the courage to step out and do the work of the ministry that you have called us to do. Once again, Father, it is for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Mike, would you come ahead?